You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back. It is Locked On Vols, wherever you find your podcast. Thanks so much for making it your first listen, your first watch on YouTube, and hope you guys enjoyed your Independence Day holiday, 4th of July. We took a little breather on Tuesday because I was out and about all Monday long celebrating this great nation. So didn't have a chance to record, but uh, we are moving Twitter Tuesday over a day to uh, to, to Wednesday here, and we're going to get into your Twitter Tuesday uh, comments in segments one and two. And then we're going to get back into starter spotlights and we'll discuss Tyler Barron here on today's show. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Kane. You can find this podcast and myself on Twitter at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols. And guys, uh, again, I really appreciate you for making Locked On Vols your first listen each and every day. I do radio in Knoxville, Tennessee. I uh, I write for the rival site covering the University of Tennessee at VolQuest.com. And so, Without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, real quick, though, before, I guess just right before we get into it, uh, we talked about could there be more good news on Monday. We did have a show on Monday. Ultimately, Francis Mauing-Oa, the five-star offensive tackle, uh, chose to go to Miami over the University of Tennessee. And, guys, I think Tennessee did all they could there. I think they were in great position. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as as we go on with the show today. But uh, Tennessee gave it their all. They were in it, and ultimately he chose Miami. Name, image, likeness was very much a part of this one, as you would expect. But Tennessee misses out on Francis Mauingoa. Uh, but does reel in a really talented guy in the first commit for the class of 2024 in Jonathan Eccles of IMG Academy. He is a guy that plays kind of all over the field. He's a defensive end, a wide receiver. Tennessee loves his makeup at tight end. And um, it's a really, really good start for next year's class. Not this year, 2023, but uh, for next year's class in 2024. So we'll go ahead and get into it. Our first Twitter Tuesday question on a Wednesday for the mailbag is from Josh. Josh says, got to have your opinion. Does missing out on Francis change the mitts or change the minds of anyone left on the board one way or the other? In other words, is there someone who wasn't considering Tennessee that is now seeing an opportunity uh, or let's see here or someone who was uh, coming but now isn't as a result of Francis committing to Miami. Um, Grand scheme of things, I would say probably not, especially someone who is coming that won't now because he's going to Miami. That That's definitely not it. Um, you know, Tennessee's got three more offensive tackles on the board right now that they love. We'll see how many of those, uh, if any, that they can get. I would assume that they'll get at least one of the three. And uh, Shamarad Yurov, uh, the really talented offensive tackle, three-star from Georgia. You've got Stanton Ramel, a really, really good offensive tackle that um, ultimately is going to you know, choose between a couple of schools. And then, of course, you got Lucas Simmons that's kind of been a Tennessee-Florida State battle for quite some time. So we'll see which ones of the three or how many of the three uh, Tennessee can get there. But... You know, it's an offensive tackle position, so, I mean, ultimately, Tennessee would have loved to have Francis, don't get me wrong, but it's not like getting a, you know, a big-time wide receiver and another wide receiver to come and play with you, or, you know, big-time pass-catching tight end, another wide receiver to come with you, or two pass rushers, uh, not necessarily anything like that. So, so we'll see of those three offensive tackles how many Tennessee can get, um, as I mentioned right there. Uh, we'll move on. These are from the YouTube channels. And again, I can't thank you guys enough for writing me on YouTube as well. You can do that after every single episode. This is from Sony. Yet another Twitter Tuesday question, if you please. Setting aside the current rankings at the time of either game, if Tennessee were to pull off a colossal upset in 2023, which of the following do you believe would have more significance for not only the program, but for the fan base as well? 
uh, ending the Vols' decade-plus losing streak to Alabama or defeating the reigning national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. So if that were the case, I think he means this upcoming fall in 2022 because, of course, Georgia uh, is is the reigning national champions. Um, it'd be great to be Georgia. You know, you get great position in the SEC East. In fact, if you beat Georgia this year and you – Take it, you know. Take advantage of all the other teams you're supposed to take advantage of. I mean, you'd be in proposition to go to Atlanta and, and represent the East in the, you know, the SEC championship game. So that would be huge. Um, but again, for the program, for the fan base, having said all that, I think if you were to beat Alabama, it would mean more, right? I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I, I just think that that game means a whole lot more than the game against Georgia, as crazy as that sounds, and kind of where Alabama has been. So my answer there would be, or excuse me, my answer there would be Alabama. I'm curious to know what you guys would have to say on that as well. Uh, we will go to Trevor. Big question. Can you, and you can reword this however you want, if you were given the title of college football you know, leader and had the power to change anything you wanted, what would you do? It can be involved with name, image, and likeness, conference realignment, transfer portal, etc. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, man, there's so many different things and areas that you could explore, and some of these I didn't even think you know needed anything, like conference realignments, conference expansion. You know, that's something that I understand. Money rules the world, right? But it's like, I mean, who needs two mega conferences? I mean, it, it, in my opinion, it's it's going to that here in a couple of years, but that's not something that I would like you know make or create, right? Uh, right off the bat, to answer your question, I would say I would make every college athlete an employee of the university, meaning everybody, you know, stop acting like they're not employees. They're absolutely employees. And I understand the football employees would, you know, mean more than the uh, than the swimming employees or than the golf and track and field employees. I understand that because they create more revenue for the uh, said university. They keep the lights on. Football is the reason that golf is you know, able to go out and, and travel and play, right? And the same for some other revenue sports when you compare it to uh, non-revenue sports. So I would make every student athlete an employee and they are making money just right there and that could be the base rate. I would still have in place name, image, and likeness because we live in America and everybody should be able to profit off his or her own, his or her own name, image, and likeness. And so you'd still see a lot of what you're seeing right now. I understand that, but I think everybody, everybody deserves something. Everybody deserves something because you are far exceeding the full-time you know, wage requirements being a student-athlete on top of having to stay on top of your academics and all that to be eligible. So I would start off with there, make every student-athlete an employee of the university. I would keep name, image, and likeness in place so that these star players can go ahead and break in uh, tons and tons of money that they deserve. I would also have transfer portal windows, and you see a little bit of this too, but I would make it like you know, after the regular season concludes after Thanksgiving weekend, all the way to the new year or that first week in, in January before classes start back. And then right after the spring practice session, I would make it for like two weeks there. And those are the only times all year long that you can transfer in that, or you can enter the transfer portal window. So it would really minimize that. And you would have guys that, you know, would go into fall camp and they lose a starting job and they can't go anywhere, right? I mean, how many times has teams been, you know, you know, picked apart like that when you have three quarterbacks on scholarship, you go into fall camp and you lose the starting job and a guy leaves? I mean, Tennessee was down to two scholarship quarterbacks at one point in time last year when Harrison Bailey entered the transfer portal. They were okay, but it wasn't a great position to be in, you know? So that's kind of what I would do in that regard. So we'll go back to Trevor. Great question, man. 
We will go to Brayden, and Brayden wants to know the last NCAA... Ooh, I like this game, or I like this a question. The last NCAA football game was out in 2013. What Tennessee football player from 2014 to 2022 would have been the most dominant in the game as well as the best cover athlete, in your opinion? All right, so the easy answer to that would be Joshua Dobbs, okay? He, would, he you know, video game-like numbers is what he, he did at points in times at Tennessee, a mobile quarterback that impacted the game just as much with his legs as it did with his arms. So Joshua Dobbs would be the most impactful, in my opinion. Jalen Hurd would have been great. I know a lot of you guys are going to say, what about Alvin Kamara? I mean, sure, he would have been good on the game, but remember, it was Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd was RB1 over Alvin Kamara, and I would like to have seen them use both of those guys together and have more of a role for AK but I mean Jalen Hurd was a good quarterback or excuse me Jalen Hurd was a good running back in this offense if you say he wasn't you're kidding yourself but my answer would be Joshua Dobbs one other note or one other player that I like to throw out there Derek Barnett would have been great in that game I think Derek Barnett coming off the edge at defensive end would have been fantastic so uh, those would be the players that kind of come to mind and they're really all from that same period uh, of Tennessee football uh, more so than anything and then we'll conclude here with Vol and Arky and he wants to know I know there's been some news on recruiting trail for baseball lately will you have Ben McKee on to break it all down for us I know he is your go-to baseball guy absolutely yeah Ben will come on the show here pretty soon um, he is uh, he is in full offseason mode and tracking uh, the Tennessee baseball team who they're getting via the transfer portal and kind of rebuilding that roster a little bit with guys, you know, going to the uh, the MLB draft and all that. But we'll get Ben on soon, and he'll discuss all the latest news of the offseason uh, for Tennessee baseball, including a guy that they got from Alabama, third baseman, who will likely be Tennessee's starting third baseman next year in Zane Denton, who had a really good 2021 season. Struggled a little bit in 2022, but he did hit two home runs against Tennessee over that weekend when Tennessee played Alabama. So we'll get Ben on here pretty soon as well. we got tons more of Twitter Tuesday on a Wednesday mailbag show uh, coming up in segment two. But uh, this episode is brought to you in part by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing makes of uh, you know number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain of auto parts store to stock up on all the parts that you need. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning that as you wait for the person behind the counter as they look through their computer choosing only the brands and specifications that their warehouse happens to carry you have computers and access to rockauto.com right in your pocket with your phone right so save time and money when using rockauto.com sometimes even 30 to 50 to 100 percent more is what you're paying for when you could spend so much less by going online to rockauto.com it's a family-owned business that's been serving to professionals and do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years always reliably low are the prices at rockauto.com for every single customer. You can go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to all of your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
All right, guys, we're back at it for a Twitter Tuesday on a Wednesday edition of Locked on Vols, your mailbag show. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Uh, so glad to have you guys with me here today. This podcast continues to grow, guys. We're over 2,000 subscribers, over 2,100 subscribers actually on um, on YouTube. Uh, we've got great off-season numbers. This thing is really going to absolutely take off uh, come football season, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. And it's all to you guys. So thank you so much for the continued support throughout this offseason and uh, uh, keeping this sucker really thriving. Uh, we'll continue on with uh, some questions here. We'll go to Brian next, and he wants to know, not knowing how name, image, and likeness deals work, it seems like you would see big name, uh, big names less flipping, less to flip before signing day because of NIL deals that will have been signed. All right, so technically you're not supposed to sign anything until you become a student athlete, right? I mean, that's where the, the inducement kind of comes in there. I'm not going to pretend and say that that doesn't happen. I don't, I don't know, but I'm just saying uh, you're technically it, – it's for future opportunities. So in, in order to miss out, in order to avoid the inducement category, you're not supposed to sign anything. You're not supposed to be given anything, obviously, until you become a student athlete. Now, a lot of that just goes on, you know, word of mouth and verbal agreements, Right. But still, I mean, when you have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars on the line, right, um, I think a lot of these guys are going to be true to their words. So I would agree with you. I, I think that you're going to see a lot less flipping, you know, leading up to National Signing Day. Maybe you can have guys who are, you know, not on name, image, likeness deals or on lower tier name NIL deals that, you know, might get a better offer or might get a bigger team coming that will swoop them away, and that can happen. I mean, that was kind of the deal with, with Justin Williams-Thomas last year, right? I mean, he was... Um, he was a verbal commit to West Virginia for quite some time, and then it became you know Tennessee and Auburn trying to get him away. So, I would agree with you. I, I don't. I think you're going to see less flipping. Like Cornell Tate, I think he's going to Ohio State. Francis, I think he is going to Miami. I don't think like, those races are done as far as Tennessee is concerned, in my opinion. But really, really good question there, Brian. And we will go on to Kay Wayne. All right, there is a lot of optimism around our football program going into this season. But we've seen this before with previous coaches. There was a lot of optimism going into 2020 under Pruitt and 15 and 16 under Jones, even with Dooley having Bray throw throw it all over the yard. But in all those cases, the wheels came off very quickly and we literally crashed and burned. What sets this staff apart from those and makes you think that they can hold things together to build off this momentum? Is it Hypel just being a better coach? Is it the offense uh, that creates mismatches? Is it the stability with the athletic director? Is it name, image, and likeness? Is it better culture? Is it based on luck or a little bit of all of the above? Great question. And I would agree. I think you have to do a little bit of all of the above, right? So I think, number one, Josh Heupel is a good football coach. Okay? I, I think Butch Jones won some big football games. I think Butch Jones was the best coach Tennessee's had since former at the time here at Tennessee. I recognize Lane Kiffin's a good coach. But while they were here at Tennessee, um, I don't think Derek Dooley is a good head coach. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt was ready to be a head coach. I think Josh Heupel is a good head coach. I do. And and also, Josh Heupel played quarterback at a very high level. And I think, I think that means something. Not all coaches have to be good players. But gosh, doesn't it help when you had a quarterback that played at the highest level, uh, that played in big-time games, now being a head coach? I think it does. So I would say Heupel, first and foremost, is a good football coach, whereas... Quite frankly, Tennessee didn't have a lot of good football coaches. Again, Jeremy Pruitt was not ready for the job. Uh, Derek Dooley was not a good football coach. Tennessee, and Tennessee was in a bind, I understand that. But you know they were thinking Tennessee was hiring him to be the AD from Louisiana Tech, right? 
Um, that was not the case. He was four and eight, and Tennessee hired him <laughs> to be the offensive or to be the head coach at the University of Tennessee. So uh, it's just wild, right? So I would say he is a good football coach. Um, also, I do think it's a little bit of the offense. This offense, when clicking, you will always have the opportunity to win football games because you're going to catch the defense off guard. Uh, you're going to tire the defense out, and you have the you have the opportunity to score a whole lot of points. You saw last year, if Tennessee had a little bit more of a better defensive play, they could win a few more games. So imagine getting a, you know, some good defensive play and scoring all those points. You're going to be a pretty good team. Now defenses and teams will adjust to Tennessee, and that's something that we're going to have to pay attention to in 2022. Look at Chip Kelly at Oregon. Nobody caught him up, but they caught him up with the Eagles. They caught up with that offense in San Francisco. Let's see how the, these teams adjust to Tennessee and Josh Heupel, but. Better head coach, in my opinion, a unique offense that goes at the pace that is faster than anybody in the country, and and I do think some of it has to do with AD and name image likeness, right? I mean, Danny Watt's a good athletic director. There is stability. He is a good, he is the best athletic director Tennessee's had in a long time, right? In a long, long time. Philip Former was not a good AD. I mean, that's just, that's, uh, he's, a, he's a football coach. He is not an athletics director. Uh, Danny White is an AD, and he is he is raising money, and he is doing unique things, and I think there's more cool things to come. So I think that has something to do with it in Tennessee. I understand there's some frustration right now with Tennessee missing out on Carnell Tate and Francis Mauingoa, but um, Tennessee does have a good name, image, and likeness basis with Spire Sports Group, okay? And so um, it will continue to adjust, and it will continue to evolve, but Tennessee's got a really, really good platform for that. So I think it's a little bit of everything. And, and to answer your question, too, I don't know if it's going to – I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to hold up. I don't know if the staff is different. You know, we have a small sample size. I like these guys. I think they're doing a good job. We'll see. Um, you're just one year into it. So I think it's still wait and see type mode on a lot of these areas. But really, really good question there, Kay Wayne. I appreciate you for chiming in. All right, next we will go to James. What's the funniest off-the-field story you've heard about from a player on the current Tennessee football team? Obviously, remove the name if needed. All right, so I'll make this short and sweet. This is just one that kind of came to my mind when I was reading the question. In 2020, all right, you know, COVID, obviously, COVID's still around now, but, you know, the lockdowns, um, the isolations, all that type of stuff, and you're trying to play a football season, all right? Well, there was a member of the current Tennessee football team who was also on the team in 2020, and they snuck out after curfew, and they went and they met up with their girlfriend, and... Um, Spent a couple hours or whatever and uh, came back and was COVID positive a couple of days later. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. I'm just like, man, like, we, you, know, we, <laughs> you know, we all have relationships and wives and girlfriends or whatever. And gosh, we were all young at one point in time, too. You know, breaking out, you know, past curfew, going to see your girl. I thought that was funny. I mean, obviously, you know, he was okay and everything, but uh, he was he ended up being COVID positive and having to miss uh, quite some time of practice uh, at that point in time. And so uh, I thought that was kind of funny, just how the story kind of played out. So good, good question there, James. Uh, we'll go on now to Jay Grass. And Jay Grass wants to know, let's see here, what do you think the new starting five is going to be for Tennessee basketball and whether or not Julian Phillips will be a part of it? It's probably too soon to tell, but curious if you think that is more likely than not. Chandler, Springer, Johnson, those five-star guards all got the start as true freshmen, while Brandon Huntley-Hatfield had pretty limited minutes. BHH started the last half of the year, honestly. Now, his minutes were cut in half a little bit because they, they had four bigs that they were playing, but he started the last half of the year. 
Um, my starting five right now, and again, this might be too early to tell, but this is what, and again, it might not be game one, but this is how I'm going to have Tennessee starting five looking next year. Zakai Ziegler at the point, Santiago Vescovi as the uh, shooting guard, Josiah Jordan James at the wing, Julian Phillips at the four technically, and then I'll have Uros at the five with Jonas Adu uh, cutting in big time to Uros' minutes. Um, that's a smaller lineup, I recognize that, but I think Tennessee plays better as a smaller team, and I think that you can look over the course of the past two seasons and notice that when you have Josiah Jordan-James playing the four, or, excuse me, Phillips could be the three, Josiah Jordan-James could be the four, whatever the case you want to make those two. Um, I think Tennessee plays better as a smaller team. So that's kind of the starting five that I think Tennessee would have in terms of being the best five. We'll move on now, just a couple more to Roy. On the next mailbag, could you answer if you think Joe Milton is fixable this season? He has great size and arm strength. If he could just get his touch right, always love the show. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate you, man. Um, Yeah, we'll see. Like, I mean, Hendon Hooker's your starting quarterback. Hendon Hooker is your starting quarterback. That is not changing. Joe Milton, I was talking about this with a buddy the other day. <clears throat> Joe Milton has still got the highest upside on the team, no matter what. He is still the best uh, athlete. He's phenomenal, right? But you can't continue to put him out there with him making the wrong decisions and or just not having touch on his passes, like you said. How many deep throws did he just – that could have been touchdowns in the first two games of the season last year that Tennessee miss out on because Milton was airmailing it, right? Um, we'll see if that can get better. I mean, you know, it's it's are we going to get to see him getting better at that type of stuff? Hopefully not, right? Because that means Hendon Hooker's hurt. So um, we'll see. He can always get better. I think he's got some good quarterback coaches, obviously, and Josh Heupel and Joey Halsey. Joe Milton has a chance to be Tennessee's starting quarterback in 2023. So – um, we all remember the end of the Ole Miss game. I continue to bring that up because that was the stupidest football play I've ever seen in my entire life. But if you're a Tennessee fan, you want Joe Milton to figure it out because he very well could be your starting quarterback in 2023 after Hendon Hooker and before Nico takes over. So we will have to see about that. Or maybe Nico walks in and he's the starting quarterback uh, from day one. We'll have to see. Last one goes to Ethan. <clears throat> Had a question about Conyer and Eccles. Both have some recruiting profiles listing them as athletes, and some are listing them at a position. Could you explain possibly what makes a site designate their position? I don't mind to wait till next week. Thanks so much. Uh, Ethan, appreciate it, man. Uh, basically, it just kind of goes down to what they think he will play at the next level, right? There are some there are some uh, wide receivers that are known to are going to play defensive back at the next level. There are some running backs that know that they are going to play linebacker at the next level. Uh, so for Christian Conyer, he could very easily play wide receiver, but he's going to play defensive back. That's well known. His, his skill set it fits way more as a defensive back at the next level. I'm not really sure why they continue to have Christian Conyer as an athlete. I know Rivals did as well. He's going to play cornerback. He will play cornerback at Tennessee. He is a DB. Jonathan Eccles is very interesting because right now I think he can play a number of different positions at the next level, and he's still so young. Remember, he's only 2024. 20, so he's a rising junior. He is a really good defensive end right now as a rising junior. He is a really good wide receiver. He plays some tight end a little bit. He plays some quarterback. He plays some running back. Tennessee loves his makeup at tight end because he's got the projectables. He's like six foot five, about 250 already. And so he is already looking like what Tennessee wants as a tight end. And so I think that that is kind of – he's an athlete – Tennessee wants him as a tight end, but he could very easily play defensive end at the next level. So I think it's based on what that publication or what that organization believes 
that this prospects will will play at the next level. But if there's any doubt, they'll just keep him as an athlete. And of course, any team that recruits him can decide where they're going to put him. Guys, thanks so much for your Twitter Tuesday questions. We had a full bank of questions. We went two segments long. I know it's a Wednesday. We didn't have a show on a Tuesday, but thank you so much. Really, really do appreciate that. We'll come back to Ibo on this episode, a little starter spotlight, talking Tyler Barron here in just one moment. But guys, let me tell you about Pilt Bar and the new Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. From the people who vented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built Bar have given you the Coconut Brownie Chunk The Puffs treatment. That's right, Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, uh, that flavor you love. It's a delicious, chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. Uh, but stop the drooling and listen for just one moment. They're good for you as well. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, all so delicious. Coconut brownie uh, chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to built.com and uh, right now to make sure you don't miss out. They're going to go fast, but they really are amazing. So you need to go right now. It's a delicious coconut treat, rich, sweet brownie, creamy chocolate, marshmallow tasting Built Bar. Stop fantasizing. Get the Built.com and order your box of Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Puffs right now. That is a tongue twister if I do say so myself. Go to Built.com, use that promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. That's all at Built.com. One more segment left here on this Wednesday Locked On Vols. Welcome back into it. I'm Eric Kane, and we're going to make this short and sweet, guys. Your starter spotlight today shines on Tyler Barron, a rising junior. And Tennessee hopes that Tyler Barron can really stay on the field and produce big for the Volunteers this season. He is an unbelievable talent. He's about six foot five, about 265, pushing 270. He's a local prospect, grew up in Middle Tennessee, but uh, attended Knoxville Catholic High School. And he's a guy that has played an awful lot in his first two years, right? I mean, he he came on as a true freshman in 2020. He had 13, or he had 21 total tackles. He had three TFLs and a sack. He upped all those to 30 tackles a season ago. He had seven TFLs and four sacks, and he had a forced fumble as well last year. Uh, but Tyler Barron now moving over from that Leo spot to a traditional defensive end role as a five technique here in this defense. Tyler Barron this year is going to play what Jaquan Blakely played uh, for Tennessee last year. So you're going to have Byron Young on one side and Tyler Barron on the other. And I think this fits Tyler Barron's skill set a lot more. He is a bigger guy, right? I mean, he can go to two-point stance. He can drop back when needed, but he's not as athletic. I'm not saying he's not athletic, but he's not as athletic uh, from the likes of Byron Young. So Tyler Barron over as a more traditional hand-in-the-dirt guy, taking on tackles and tight ends, I think is going to fit his game a lot more. And that's what he's going to do in this new defense. But last year, uh, Tyler Barron graded out at a 72.9%. And remember, per the grading scale that Pro Football Focus does, if I can pull it up right now, uh, he falls in line with the starter category. At 72.9 overall was his grade defensively. Rush defense was at 65.9. Tackling was at 66.7. Pass rush, which is what you need at 77.2 and coverage skills, though again, not many uh not many reps there was at 61.3. He was the tenth highest uh defensive player graded on the stat sheet per pro football focus last year. But again, some of these guys in front of him, William Mohan, Aubrey Solomon, um, Bryson Easton, those guys did not get many reps. So always gotta throw that caveat in there. Tyler Barron's best games last year, a season ago. 
uh, for Tennessee. Now, keep in mind, he missed a lot of time because a lot of times he didn't have um, a whole lot of snaps because he was, you know, played banged up. And that's something as well for Tyler Barron. For him to make the impact he needs to be for Tennessee, for him to take the step that he needs for Tennessee to be successful uh, and to, you know, fill in the gaps of Matthew Butler and some of those guys who have left and really get a consistent pass rush from your, from your front four, he's got to be on the field a lot more. He continues to have nagging injuries. Uh, durability is an issue for Tyler Barron. He's got to find a way to stay on the field a lot more. His best games last year, a season, a season ago, uh, came uh, against Bowling Green. He graded out at 90.1. He graded out at 84.3 against Purdue in the Music City Bowl. Those were really, really good grades. Other high grades, 78.0% against South Alabama, 77.2% at Florida. Uh, some of his worst games of the season came uh, against Ole Miss, where he graded 50.2%. Uh, 50.5% against Georgia later in the season, but overall pretty solid year. But when you look at his total snap count, and that's the thing that uh, is you know kind of worrisome for uh, for Tyler Barron, his overall snap count in the season was 433. Again, let's compare that to Matthew Butler. Matthew Butler played 726 snaps in 2021. Tyler Barron played only 433. Now, Matt Butler's snap count might be to the extreme, right? But you need somewhere in the middle, preferably a little bit more uh, towards the higher number at 726. So that's going to be the biggest challenge for Tyler Barron coming into this season. Can you benefit from having Byron Young on the other side, taking eyeballs off you? Can you benefit from improved play from the interior of Amari Thomas and Carl Garland, Elijah Simmons and Jean Terry and some of these younger guys like Jordan Phillips? Uh, can you benefit from all that and be a consistent force to get back into uh, the quarterback's lap? So we'll have to see. I mean, he's good at defending the run. He's really good at rushing the passer. He just needs to be more consistent in all those areas. But uh, Tennessee is better when Tyler Barron is on the field. And uh, the big key, again, this is short and sweet here to end this show, the key for Tyler Barron, staying on the field. Can you consistently put all the durability doubts out of your mind can you stay on the field and be a more consistent threat for Tennessee on the defensive line? We will find out. As we continue on with Starter Spotlight, we'll go back a level and we'll talk about the linebackers, the inside linebackers. Uh, that'll start on tomorrow's show. Uh, but first, guys, thank you so much for making Locked On Balls your first listen. Now make Locked On SEC your second listen. Some great Interviews from quarterbacks around the Southeastern Conference uh, from the Manning Passing Academy. Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC has got those there. Check him out right now. He had Hendon Hooker interview on the show last week. So check it out at Locked On SEC with Chris Gordy. Make that your second listen right behind Locked On Balls, which is your first listen each and every day. Guys, we'll do it again. We'll do it on YouTube. We'll do it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you, you listen to your podcast. Uh, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever. We'll do it again tomorrow. Locked on balls. I'm Eric Kane. Guys, thank you so much once again, and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody.